AEC Business, the construction industry's innovation and technology show. Hello and welcome to episode 133 of the AEC Business Podcast. My name is Arni Heiskanen and my guest is Rafi Holzer, CEO of Avir, the reality analysis company. Rafi, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us about your background and your company? Sure. Uh, my background is probably a little unorthodox for the, the field that I ultimately ended up in. Um, I started out as a bioengineer by training. Um, I was a physics major in college. I knew I wanted to do bioengineering in graduate school. And in between, I did an internship at a robotics lab that was focused on automation in construction. And the interest never really left. And that's how I kind of found my way back into this space. Uh, and in terms of where we are as a company today, I mean, part of the story is, you know, the idea that I had going back to uh, that internship while I was an undergrad <clears throat> was around the fact that I discovered that summer that uh, facility managers and building managers were trying to operate their facilities based on plans that were handed to them by general contractors that did not match the existing conditions of their, of their asset or of their site. And I found that mind-blowing. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. And then I, I dug deeper and, and understood why that was, that nobody had the ability or wherewithal to update those plans. Um, thought, let's create a solution to solve that problem. That's how we initially started, but came quickly to recognize that it wasn't just the plans that were out of date very quickly. It was the schedule. It was the schedule of values. It was the whole plan data set for any given construction project that had very little to do with reality once the project actually got started. And so what we've become, you know, the mission of the company has evolved <clears throat> into bringing that entire plan set into sync with reality. As you are now introducing a new technology uh, into the industry, and, and there are many others also, um, several startups uh, uh, are emerging um, and, and digital construction technology is booming I think there's a lot of money uh, involved but how can traditional companies start transforming their business with technology that's a really good question uh, and I think <clears throat> there are, are two types of answers uh, to that question so one I think the companies that I've seen be most successful in adopting technology are those that do so in a thoughtful and, and selective way. So there are companies who get approached by startups and you can get approached, you can get bombarded by how many startups there are in this space today. Um, and you can quickly get overwhelmed and not be able to see your way through um, <clears throat> understanding you know, what actually works, what's gonna help my business and what's not. So I typically counsel general contractors or owners who are dipping their toe into these technology waters to first step back and understand what are they trying to achieve, what is important, what business outcomes are important to them, and then take the next step, dig a little deeper, trial um, different companies on a handful of projects, and then make a selection about what you're going to move forward with. Um, so that's one way to answer the question. The other is to think more thoughtfully about the way you, you use data generally, because I think that's uh, a missing piece across probably all uh, traditional general contractors. I, I, I know that we need machine readability of information in order to automate processes and workflows. Um, what's your experience? Uh, how do you see the quality and usability of data in today's construction? 
So I think that probably is the biggest hurdle to applying machine learning to uh, construction is the fact that <clears throat> it's not so much necessarily the machine readability, but it's the standardization or the lack of standardization of data that exists <clears throat> in the construction industry, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry there. Um, so for example, you will have uh, you know, one activity you know, on a schedule call, it's the same activity, but it's called 15 different things in 15 different regions, or even within the same company on different projects, it's called different things. Um, the work breakdown structure that organizes the schedule, the schedule of values and the building information model on a single project can be totally out of sync with one another. The, the light bulb that went off for me, and I think it helps that I come from a, a unique background into this industry. When I was a bioengineering PhD student working in a lab, working on uh, massive neural data sets. The vast majority of my time spent in the lab was not actually running the analyses, applying machine learning algorithms to the data. It was normalizing and standardizing and formatting that data so that we could run the analyses and make them meaningful in the first place. And so that really is the first step in what we work with our clients to achieve is some level of standardization across their data. That is really essential uh, to what, what you're doing. Um, but now, well, perhaps you could now tell us about your solution uh, eventually, uh, what it does and, and for whom. So what we do is compare reality capture data in the form of photographs and laser scans against what we refer to as the plan set, right? Those three principal components of a project plan, the model, the schedule, the schedule of values. And what we can do in that comparison, we do two distinct analyses. We do a progress analysis, so we can determine what's been built, what hasn't been built, to what level of completion. And we do a deviation or quality analysis where we can determine whether the elements that have been built have been built correctly or incorrectly. And if incorrectly, by how much and whether that's going to cause an impact to constructability. So the way to sum up the value though that we offer, uh, we do production and productivity tracking, uh, automated pay application reviews, rework prevention, and automated as-building, updating of the model to reflect as-built conditions. And in terms of who uses this, it tends to be general contractors and owners of um, larger mission critical projects today that we expect to move down, you know, to more mid tier and smaller projects over the course of time. Mm. But I, I imagine you, you cannot just walk in and bring your application. You have to somehow prepare the project before you can do all that. What's required? So <clears throat> the main thing that you need to have uh, to work with us out of the gate is some kind of model. Even that is, um, I try not to say a BIM model because it doesn't have to be a BIM in the classic sense, but we do need a 3D model to work with. We have on occasion taken uh, 2D plans and 3Dify them. Um, I've coined that term, <laughs> I think. Um, once you have a 3D model, and at that point we can take for you, or if you have from some source, photographs or laser scans of the site, we can start running meaningful analyses. If you are interested in, in tracking you know, your production against a schedule or against a schedule of values, then there's also additional setup involved in integrating that schedule or schedule of values into the model. And so that can be a um, uh, 
somewhat of a, a lengthier, you know, maybe one to two week setup time. Um, but really all you need to get started with us is that model. When, when, we, when your system is running up and running, how do the users use it? What, is the, what are they doing with it? What is the interface? To, so there it? are really three steps, I'd say, in interacting with our model. And this, it's just a, a three-step cycle that repeats on an ongoing basis. So the first step is to capture and send you know, reality capture data to us. Photographs or laser scans, you capture in the field and send them to us. We then analyze them and our customers then view the results of that analysis. So that's step two, them viewing the results of that analysis. And then step three is taking some action based on that analysis. So the action they might take might be, you know, analysis or a report that we show shows that a, a duct is deviated from its intended location by a handful of inches, that that's going to cause some impact. It's, it's going to cause a clash with a set of pipes that is yet to be built. And they're going to take one of two actions. They're either going to tell the HVAC contractor to move that duct back to its initial location, or they're going to tell the plumber that they're going to have to adjust for the new location of the HVAC duct. And either way, that gets reflected in our system, right? So either the, the move duct, you push a button within our system, and that is now reflected as the new reality, or you send out a, uh, a work order to the field have that issue addressed in the field. And then on a subsequent scan, that reality is, uh, uh, is taken as well. Well, ideally, how often do you uh, need to uh, do the reality capture on the site? So that's a question that's difficult to answer on a general basis. It really is um, you know, best answered on a per project basis. But off the cuff, I'd say for photo capture, our most likely recommendation is something like once a week. And for laser scanning, we tend to be more selective because it is a more expensive technology to, to deploy today. Um, it'll typically be used at select points in the building's development as the superstructure is going up, for example, during the initial MEP installation. Um, you might say more like once a month on average. But but I also think that the technology in that area is developing rapidly. And I've seen, for example, now some companies use robots to collect that data. Absolutely. And I think what we're going to, what we're headed toward is a near, um, you know, constant scanning of the site. I think that's where the arrows are pointed. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned already what, what kind of... Uh, benefits your 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 users and customers will receive but uh, can you mention some uh, examples of 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 the success stories sure so one big success story we had was a data center we were building um, and we scanned the steel structure and everything looked good the second week a bit more steel was added and they scanned again and everything came back in our system, you know, blinking red. And we were nervous at the time because we had just launched the product and we were afraid that something had gone wrong with the algorithm. Some bug had been introduced because it had been green the previous week and now it was red and we didn't know what was happening. Um, and it turned out what had happened was a storm had come through over the weekend and the bolts on that steel structure had not been sufficiently tightened. And at the top of the structure, elements had deviated by as much as 18 inches from their intended location. 
And nobody had noticed because looking straight up, it's very difficult to determine distances with the naked eye. And we identified that, uh, that issue and probably saved that project on the order of $7 million with that one find. Yeah, <laughs> really fast uh, ROI. <laughs> that pro yeah, yeah, yes, that's very good. And it also tells something about construction processes. So uh, oftentimes the errors, the, you notice them too late and then they are really costly. Exactly. I mean, that really is the basis of what we're doing. We often get asked, you know, we want to prevent errors, right, rather than catch them. And I'd say that's great. I'd love to prevent errors as well. But no matter what you do, errors will be introduced. You know, I've seen as much error prevention as you'd like to have. Errors will be introduced somewhere and you need to be able to catch them and you need to be able to catch them as quickly as possible because the difference between catching them a day after they happen versus six months after they happen is where the cost is introduced, right? If, um, you know, we had a, uh, this was a project I had come onto in the middle of the project, um, <clears throat> but some, a, a hole for some ductwork on a mechanical floor is the fifth floor of a 30-story building had been placed too low. If that issue had been caught right after the fifth floor had been poured, it would have been several thousand dollars to to fix the issue. Because it was only caught six months later after the building had topped out and the HVAC, you know, the mechanical contractor had finally come to the site and he realized, okay, this is too low and now is, not, is in conflict with New York City code and we're going to have to reroute the entire system. That ended up being a six-week delay to that project and was, I think, over $200,000 in additional costs. So $2,000 versus $200,000. When you're talking about a two order magnitude difference just because of the time, right? If we can catch these things quickly, we can really erase 95% of the cost associated with rework. You operate in, in the USA. Um, are you already in several states or? We are all over the USA and we are starting to operate internationally as well, They're taking on projects in Ireland, uh, the UK. Uh, Japan, Singapore, and hopefully the Middle East soon as well. Uh, I think that's typical of, of today's technology because it's the same technology, even though the practices, local practices might be a li little bit different, but basically everybody's doing the same same thing. So, and, and, and Yeah, yeah, that's that's very good. How do you see the future uh, of, of our industry and, and the technology that we use? So I think it goes back to that question of standardization we were talking about earlier. I see um, more standardization happening in the industry because it simply has to. I think there are going to be, you know, probably a handful of companies to start um, that start focusing on efficiency as a differentiator. Right? One of the problems with the construction business has been the low margins associated with building. And that has made it, you know, you're really in a... Um, a poverty-stricken mindset when you're operating on on two to three percent gross margins. Um, it's very hard to do to think critically about the future when you're struggling to survive. But I think there are companies, probably some of the, the bigger, more forward-thinking companies out there that see with the technology that is out there today, right? One of the challenges with construction as compared to let's say manufacturing is it's actually been difficult to measure the impact of new things you might do. If you want to become more efficient, you have no way to know really whether that 
new technology you tried has made you more efficient or not, and whether to continue doing it or not, or to just stick with what's tried and true, so to speak. Um, I think the ability to start measuring progress, production, productivity is going to change that. I think certain companies are going to take advantage of that and move their margins uh, to become dramatically better, I think, in the 7 to 8% range. And those companies will start outstripping their competition um, in a significant way. That's, you know, on a, a macro level, what I see for the future of the construction industry. And we also, and, and many companies talk about the lack of uh, uh, professional workforce. And, and that's one thing that probably yes. the te technology will help in, in that sense. Also. I think that's become a, a forcing function, if you will, for the adoption of technology. Right in the same sense that um, a, a warehouse owner might start turning toward robotics if wages become, you know, unaffordable. Right, it, technology all of a sudden becomes much uh, more makes much more sense from a dollars and cents perspective. If that labor force is simply not available, technology is going to need to come into play so that you can make the people you do have more efficient. What are your thoughts on on the possibility of managing a construction site remotely with technology? So I think you're seeing that happening already. Certainly owners are visiting sites a lot less and appreciating the fact that they no longer have to get on a plane or no longer feel like they need to get on a plane on a regular basis to go visit sites in remote locations. Um, I think that really started with, um, you know, just having photographs of the construction site in a portal where you could do a visual walkthrough of the site. But where I think that's evolving is not just having photographs you can look at, but having real hard numbers that you can associate with, how is this project actually doing? I want to be able to look at a dashboard on my computer from my office or from my home office and tell how the building is actually doing and know that the numbers can't be fudged because they're not based on human inputs. They're based on raw intelligence from the field. Yeah, it's fact-based management. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you you said that you are expanding internationally, but what what's what what's what else is in the future for you your company? So you know, I mentioned that my initial interest um, was in you know I discovered really that um, uh, facility managers were having this problem where they didn't have access to accurate as builds, and one of the things I, I'd like for us to start uh, moving into is. Uh, really enabling those accurate as-builds to function as a platform for the um, operations and maintenance of those assets long-term, right? So that we become a platform, not just for the construction phase of the building life cycle, but extend that concept into um, the O&M phase of the building life cycle for, you know, for the next 40 years. Um, before we get there, though, there's a lot more work we want to do on the construction side. We've got integrations that we want to do, uh, make it increasingly easy both for our clients to bring data into our platform as well as get data out of it to whatever other tools they might be using to manage their construction projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, integration is a really um, important factor because um, we know that companies have hun hundreds of applications nowadays. So, uh, so uh, either you have to <laughs> reduce the number and start looking at the um, more, uh, let's say, consolidate your applications or or do integration. So yes, uh, how do you feel about uh, 
Do you think that there is a, a one app to rule them all? I think that's what all customers are looking for, the one app to rule them all. Um, but I think, you know, no matter what it's going to take, if that ever happens, it'll take a while for you know, the industry to get there. Um, it's unlikely that it ever truly will. So what we're seeing from some of our customers is hiring not huge development staff um, to build their own software, which I think, frankly, is, uh, is a mistake. Um, but small in-house IT teams that can work to integrate and tie together uh, the point solutions that they find to be best of class and integrate them in such a way that they can use them seamlessly. And that, I think, is an investment that is going to have big payoffs for those companies who are making it. Um, you also you asked me so something I should have added to um, what I see coming down on our roadmap. Um, we're particularly excited about the potential for you know new business models within or new revenue models for our company and companies like us. You know, I mentioned one of the value propositions we offer today is around automating uh, payment app, you know, the review of payment applications. But the same technology really could be used to obviate the need for payment applications and thereby dramatically reduce the turnaround time of payment to from owner to GC to subcontractor. Um, getting involved in the transactions or in the transactional piece of construction and, and making that whole process much more efficient is something that's incredibly exciting. And then I mentioned, you know, rework prevention. And so I think there's a, an insurance angle potentially for our product as well, ensuring that projects actually go smoothly. And so we're starting to explore um, those ideas as well. I'm sure that our listeners are now really, if they don't know you, your company already, they are eager to know more. Where then, where can they find information uh, and, and connect with you? The best place to go is our website. Uh, it's avir.io. That's A-V-V-I-R.io. Um, and you can reach out to us there and learn more about us. Um, really a ton of useful information on that site. We recently redid it. So take a look. Rafi, it has been a pleasure talking to you and um, all the best for the future. Thank you so much and same to you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast and visit aec-business.com, the award-winning blog, for more news and stories. 